Chapter thirty three of Whispering Smith by Frank Spearman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty three The Laugh of a Woman. Within an hour, Marion, working over a hat in the trimming room, was startled to hear the cottage door open and to see Dixie quite unconcernedly walk in. To Marion's exclamation of surprise, she returned only a laugh i've changed my mind dear i'm going to stay all night marion kissed her approvingly really you're getting so sensible i shan't know you dixie in fact i believe this is the most sensible thing you were ever guilty of glad you think so returned dixie dryly unpinning her hat i certainly hope it is mr mccloud persuaded me it wasn't right for me to ride home alone and i knew better than he what danger there was for him in riding with me so here i am he's coming over for supper too in a few minutes when mccloud arrived he brought with him a porterhouse steak and marion was again driven from the kitchen at the end of an hour dixie engrossed over the broiler was putting the finishing touches to the steak and mccloud more engrossed was watching her when a diffident and surprised-looking person appeared in the kitchen doorway and put his hand undecidedly on the casing. While he stood, Dixie turned abruptly to MacLeod. "'Oh, by the way, I've forgotten something. Will you do me a favor?' "'Certainly. Do you want money or a pass?' "'No, not money,' said Dixie, lifting the stake on her forks. "'Though you might give me a pass.' but i should hate to have you go away anywhere i don't want to go anywhere but i never had a pass and i think it would be kind of nice to have one just to keep don't you why yes you might put it in the bank and have it drawing interest this stake is do you give interest on passes well a good deal of interest is felt in them on this division at least what is the favor yes what is it how can i think oh i know if they don't put jim in a box stall to-night he will kill some of the horses over there will you telephone the stables won't you give me the number and let me telephone asked a voice behind them they turned in astonishment and saw whispering smith i'm surprised he added calmly to see a man of your intelligence george trying to broil a steak with the lower door of your stove wide open close the lower door and cut out the draft through the fire don't stare george put back the broiler and haven't you made a radical mistake to start with he asked stepping between the confused couple are you not trying to broil a roast of beef where did you come from demanded mccloud as marion came in from the dining-room don't search me the very first thing protested whispering smith but we've been frightened to death here for twenty-four hours are you really alive and unhurt this young lady rode in twenty miles this morning and came to the office in tears to get news of you smith looked mildly at dixie did you shed a tear for me i should like to have seen just one where did i come from i reported in wild over the telephone ten minutes ago didn't marion tell you she is so forgetful that's what causes wrecks marion 
I've been in the saddle since three o'clock this morning, thank you, and have had nothing for five days but raw steer garnished with sunshine. The four sat down to supper, and Whispering Smith began to talk. He told the story of the chase to the cache, the defiance from Rebstock, and the tardy appearance of the men he wanted. Desang meant to shoot his way through us and make a dash for it. There really was nothing else for him to do. Banks and Kennedy were up above, even if he could have ridden out through the upper canyon, which is very doubtful with all the water now. After a little talk back and forth, Dusang drew, and of course then it was every man for himself. He was hit twice, and he died Sunday night, but the other two were not seriously hurt. What can you do? It's either kill or get killed with those fellows. And of course I talked plainly to Dusang. He had butchered a man at Mission Springs just the night before, and deserved hanging a dozen times over. He meant from the start, he told me afterward, to get me. Oh, Miss Dunning, may I have some more coffee? Haven't I an agreeable part of the railroad business, don't you think? I shouldn't have pushed in here tonight, but I saw the lights when I rode by a while ago. They looked so good I couldn't resist. McLeod leaned forward. You call it pushing in, do you, Gordon? Do you know what this young lady did this morning? One of her cowboys came down from the cache early with the word that you had been killed in the fight by Desang. He said he saw you drop from your saddle to the ground with Desang shooting at you. She ordered up her horse without a word and rode twenty miles in an hour and a half to find out here what we had heard. She pushed in at the wickiup, where she never had been before in her life, and wandered through it alone looking for my office, to find out from me whether I hadn't something to contradict the bad news. While we talked, in came your dispatch from Sleepy Cat. Never was one better timed, and when she knew you were safe her eyes filled again. Whispering Smith looked at Dixie quizzically. Her confusion was delightful. He rose, lifted her hand in his own, and, bending, kissed it. They talked till late, and when Dixie walked out on the porch, McLeod followed to smoke. Whispering Smith still sat at the table talking to Marion, and the two heard the sound of the low voices outside. At intervals Dixie's laugh came in through the open door. Whispering Smith, listening, said nothing for some time, but once she laughed peculiarly. He pricked up his ears. What has been happening since I left town? What do you mean? asked Marion Sinclair. He nodded toward the porch. McLeod and Dixie out there. They've been fixing things up. Nonsense. What do you mean? I mean they're engaged. Never in the world. I may be slow in reading a trail, said Smith modestly, but when a woman laughs like that, I think there's something doing. Don't you believe it? Call them in and ask them. You want? Well, I will. Take them in separate rooms. You ask her and I'll ask him. In spite of Marion's protests, the two were brought in. I'm required by Mr. Smith to ask you a very silly question, Dixie said marion taking her into the living-room answer yes or no 
Are you engaged to anybody? What a question! Why no? Marion Sinclair wants to know just one thing, George, said Whispering Smith to MacLeod, after he had taken him into the dark shop. She feels she ought to know because she is in a way Dixie's chaperone, you know, and she feels that you are willing she should know. I don't want to be too serious, but answer yes or no. Are you engaged to Dixie? Why, yes, I... That's all. Go back to the porch, directed Whispering Smith. MacLeod obeyed orders. Marion, alone in the living room, was waiting for the inquisitor, and her face wore a look of triumph. You're not such a mind-reader after all, are you? I told you they weren't. I told you they were, contented Whispering Smith. She says they are not, insisted Marion. He says they are, returned Whispering Smith. And what's more, I'll bet my saddle against the shop they are. I could be mistaken in anything but that laugh. End of chapter 33